At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non-toxic, non-flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco-friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. What's up guys, just before we start, I just wanted to let you know that Refrigeration Technologies, they're Viper Venom Packs, they're concentrated formulas, they're gonna be out soon, okay? These are the coil cleaners, they're multi-purpose cleaner, you might have seen them at AHR if you were there. The multi-purpose cleaner is to clean everything, okay, and then they got their coil cleaners, and they're concentrated packs, you just add some water, and they're coming very, very soon. So check those out guys at refrigtech.com. Welcome back to another podcast of lovers and other strangers, hosted by me, Gary McCree. <laughs> Guys, I'm just playing. My uh, my voice has gone much deeper in the last couple of days because I'm a bit sick. I'm a bit under the weather, but I'm out here battling along with you guys. I took some uh, I took some Tylenol daytime, popped that. And I should be good for the day. Let's see. Let's see what happens. But I've gone all berry white for the time being. Darling, I can't get enough of your love, babe. <laughs> anyway, guys, I got a fabulous guest for you guys. I got Ivan Dykeman. Okay, we've been telling some stories lately on the podcast of other techs and, and their lives and some, some things they've gone through. Now, Ivan wants to tell his story about working on the oil sands out in Alberta. It's a different part of the industry a different niche and he's going to get into that and he's going to leave out some detailed stuff just because of the type of industry he's in um they're not allowed to take pictures on the site and stuff like that that's that that's a no-go but he's going to give us as much information as he can about the life that he lives being an hvac technician in the oil sands like for for one he he does shift work He, he flies in does seven days and flies out and is home for seven days that, that's that's one of the uh that's one of the attributes or the downfalls depending on how you look at it of the job so we are going to get into a, a conversation with ivan right now guys this is the hvac know-it-all podcast i'm your host gary mccready ivan we are recording my man hey how you doing I'm I'm awesome, man, and I, I want to thank you for reaching out to me and offering to tell your story because you do something cool. I haven't talked to anybody that does what you do in this industry yet, so I'm really excited to get to know what it's all about and get your story and your background and, and all that kind of stuff. So let's start with where, where in the globe are you located? I am located in Canmore, Alberta, and that's 15 minutes outside of Banff National Park. But I, I, I work in the, in the Canadian oil sands as an HVAC technician. That, that is very cool. So for people that don't know what the oil sands are, describe the oil sands for us in a kind of descriptive manner so, we kinda, so it kind of just sets the tone for the rest of the, the podcast. Without going into a whole lot of detail, you know, into the process, it's just, it's a, it's a big industrial setting um, where we make oil. That's it. And it's, uh, they, they pull 
uh, bitumen out of the ground and they extract uh, um, liquid gold, man. <laughs> and, and it's uh, so you, and you might find the same setting in like a, a, a municipal sewage treatment plant to like an explosive atmosphere or something along those lines. But it's just a big industrial setting. It's massive. And, and there's a lot of it north of uh, north of Fort McMurray and, and in that region. So. So how would. I guess we got to go back to when you started off in the industry. Like, I don't know how old you are and how long you've been doing this, but I mean, you don't, it's not jumping into the oil sands is not something you just do like the snap of a finger. You have to learn the trade and all that stuff and then kind of move in that direction. Am I right? Or am I wrong there? Yeah, 100%. There's a bit of a story to it. Uh, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, you know, I started out just like everybody else in the trade by doing a pre-employment course. Uh, I, I'm originally from Halifax, Nova Scotia, and I, I started there. I started there in a two-year pre-employment uh, program at a Nova Scotia Community College. I, I ended up picking HVAC because of uh, just pure interest. Uh, you know, my father had pushed me to do something, and he, and he said, you know, hey, man, at least if you're, if you're not going to go to university, take a trade, and it'll always pay you. So I looked into HVAC, it kind of stuck out because it had a lot of facets between electrical and mechanical and it wasn't too heavy. So I took that, I did two years of pre-employment then I worked in Halifax for just about four years. And then, uh, so just about got my, uh, my, my apprenticeship out of the way. And then I t decided to make a move out West to, uh, to Canmore. You know, I've always wanted to live in the mountains and I uh, made the move out here to Alberta, and it was a great move. It was. How long ago did you move out there? Oh, it's been 10 years. Yeah, wow. 2010. Yeah, it's been a long wow. time. So, yeah. yeah, so you went out there. Did you go out there thinking that you're going to stay there for a while? Because I know, I know people that have gone out west um, to Alberta when the economy was booming there and stuff like that. And they figured they were going out there for a couple of years to make some, some good money and then come back. What was your plan? My plan is to be here uh, 100%. And I'd never even crossed my mind to make a move backwards. And, uh, you know, it was mostly to have the, the, the mountain life and, and live in, a, in among the mountains. And I made that happen. And, uh, yeah, so it's a reality for me. So I, you know, when I moved out, uh, I had my fourth year and then I got on with a smaller company moving from a bigger company and finished my apprenticeship in Alberta. And, and, uh, so I worked in town here in, in Canmore for about two years with a small company, went for my fourth block at Sate and met up with a really good friend of mine to this day. He, you know, we got to talking after class and we were kind of talking about income and, and wages. And he told me what he made. And I said, what? Well, what are you doing? He's like, refrigeration. I'm like, no, you didn't. And he's like, yeah, dude, like, you know, we, it's, you can make that kind of money here. And I had no idea. And he told me what he did. And I said, man, you have to get me up on the oil sands. You have to get me a job there. So, well, you know, you know, you know, everybody's <laughs> in the back of their mind, they're thinking, how much money was he making? <laughs> <laughs> well into six figures, put it that way. Nice. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. And to hear that as a fourth year and to have that possibility is amazing. Is I never, and you just asked the question, you know, did you ever, you know, would you ever see yourself uh, uh, staying out there? I never seen myself making this kind of money or, or having this kind of opportunity ever. So... 
so you jumped you jumped on the opportunity like so after he told you what he was doing what he was making how did you then pursue a career in in the oil sands after that well it took about six months because the 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 influx kind of goes up and down of the hiring and and people quitting so it took about six months before i finally got a call and then somebody called me and they, they you know they told me hey it was fairly easy to get on you had to go through a drug test and 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 they just said hey man you want to come up and be part of the team and it was it was it so i was i've been there basically ever since for the last oh eight years wow i think i took a year and a half break but when i when i took the year and a half break away from it my work it was commissioning work and it was all back up in the oil sands you know uh, commissioning custom hvac equipment nice so like take us through sort of a, a week or a month or, or even a day of, of what you kind of do uh, just so we can get a gist of how that industrial setting works for you as a technician. Yeah, there, there is some differences and I want to touch on some misconceptions uh, a little bit later on, sure. um, but I'll start with the day-to-day stuff and it's, uh, it's probably no different if you're part of a bigger company, but it's, we start our day like I'll, we're in a camp setting. So we stay at camp for uh, seven days on and seven days off. So when you're in camp, you have a room and, and then you have to, you know, get your bag lunch every night and you'll have that done the night before or that morning and you'll go to work. Uh, and my shift starts at six 30. Uh, some people's might start at, you know, seven or six. It really depends. But mine starts at six 30. So we get to work uh, about six o'clock get your coveralls on and uh, we have a toolbox meeting. So you might see that as a similarity and then we'll have uh, safety talks and we'll have any questions or concerns uh, from the previous day. And it's, it, there's a big emphasis around safety when you're working up there. So everything is kind of geared around that and it's a culture that's uh, embedded in you. Yeah. So we have that, we have our toolbox meeting and during that you'll, you'll be given your work orders for the day or, for the morning, whatever it might be. And uh, you'll, you'll, you'll hit the road. You'll go grab your truck that it's assigned to you and you'll just go start fixing HVAC stuff. That's it. Kind of no different than the city, but it's, it's, you know how we, you guys have dispatchers working in town. We, we, we use the term in town and in the city, um, but you'll have a dispatcher. We have planners. We have people that plan our work for us the day before or the week before. So gotcha. the, the only major difference is like a lot of the types of equipment uh, seem to be custom and really, really large. And, and there's a lot of emphasis around, uh, <clears throat> you know, hazardous atmospheres. So ventilation is a big, big thing and air changes and stuff like that. So yeah, it's a really, really big equipment. So I, I, I just want to go back a minute when you said, so, you go out there, you, you spend seven days and you, you stay in a room. So is this, is this like a, what does this room look like? Is it like a dorm room? Is it like a, an apartment? Like what sort of uh, accommodations are you staying in? Is it the same place every time you go back so you can personalize it type thing? Yeah, it's not. I mean, I can't speak for every site out there and I don't really want to get into too many details, but it, yep. it is basically the same. It's okay. uh, you, you picture a bunch of trailers put together and uh, like modular trailers, but built together. And, and it's, it's almost like going up to, uh, 
I don't know how to describe it, Gary. It's just a bunch of trailers put together and, and, and broken down into dorms. Um, you have basically an eight by 10 room on average, and you'll have a bed and, and a desk, and sometimes your own washroom, sometimes not, but it's, uh, uh, yeah, that's your room for the week. Some people stay in it for the week, and some people have to, you know, check into a different room the next time they come back, but I would I see. kind of put it up there with like a hotel or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the planners, the planners, I, I wanted to ask you about that. So are they, how do they differ from a dispatcher? Do they have technical experience and abilities that will allow them to help plan out your day or your week better? Or are they just focused on the time and the jobs and getting you to, to each place at the correct time type thing? It's a little bit of both. It really okay. is. Some sites will, will have it, a, 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 you know, I've seen people where it's a requirement to be an HVAC planner. You have to have a, a trade certificate of some sort. And some are, uh, they're just people that have been in the industry for a long time and they just fit things where they need to be fit. Like, does this job need scaffolding? Does this job need a lift? Uh, how long is it going to take? Who is our best candidate for the job? It really depends on the site that you're at. So. Yeah. So they're, so they're, they're almost like service managers in a way too, right? Almost. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't go that far, but they're. <laughs> <laughs> the, the equipment's large that, that you're working on. Like as far as tonnage, like how big are we talking? A big focus is uh, process cooling for mm -hmm. large VFDs, very large, which run like massive pumps. So we have units and buildings with four and five air conditioners that are have eight circuits, something you would see in a supermarket. Uh -huh. um, each circuit being 15 tons, so times eight, you know, 200 pounds of refrigerant each, you know, big. You, I mean, they have their own mechanical room. You walk into these things and they, it's just, uh, it's all controlled off of a PLC. And it's just, uh, it's huge. It's massive stuff. So these mechanical rooms in these buildings, like what, what are we serving? Like, what, what is the cooling process serving? What is the makeup air serving? Like, what, it, what, it, what kind of buildings are we serving here? It could be anything from a, uh, uh, primarily when you get into the big cooling stuff uh, for, for ventilation, it's part of the process, which would be cooling off of a, a VFD room. And these VFDs run, run pumps for process. Okay. So, yeah, and I, again, I really don't want to get too far into that detail with it, but it's, you're cooling off a VFD room primarily, and that's, that's what your cooling circuits are taking care of on the cooling end of things. Uh-huh. So is because you're working around basically a flammable substance, oil, <clears throat> the, the, there, there's got to be oil vapor floating around in the air. Like, how, how do you go about taking precautions of that? Like, is that a concern? That yeah oil vapor could ignite like at any moment if there's sparks or anything like that yeah it, i wouldn't say it's so much oil vapor but you know like to get this stuff out of the ground i mean i have no clue how they do it but they're in any oil industry whether it be a rig or whether it be an oil sand or or drilling you always have the risk of h2s and LELs, so, so whatever they do in the process in certain parts of the plant, you have the risk of either having a, a, something in the upper explosive limit in atmosphere or the lower, or you also have the risk of a poisonous gas. So yeah, I mean, you have, uh, again, safety's huge. You have flammable coveralls, you have personal, personal gas badges that are consistently 
monitoring the atmosphere so you know when something is uh when it's not safe to be around gotcha and, and, and what sorry go on go on yeah and, and there's just a lot of procedures it's a very procedural uh, driven atmosphere before you even get to strike a torch or whatever it's it's a big deal now how much of the time because I, I know in, in my job, there's safety procedures that some buildings implement and it makes the job take a lot longer just because some, some buildings, I, I, I was at a building years ago that was primarily built on, made with wood. It was an old warehouse that made chocolate. And right. they, they wanted a four hour fire watch after the torch turned off. Now, imagine you go there on a call at the end of the day to, to fix a small leak or something that takes you a couple hours or whatever, you're pulling a vacuum and you get it going. But let's say you turn that torch off. You got to wait four hours now before you can actually leave the site. Yeah, it, there, there is definitely the fire watch component to things with live work. Um, a lot of paperwork involved nine times out of 10 when you're doing any sort of hot work, it's, it's on a permit. So you have to obtain a permit and if your building has uh, fire alarms or smoke alarms, you have to get them isolated through uh, the fire department that's on site. And, uh, you know, you have job hazard assessments. You have your field level risk assessment. And then you might even have a like a restricted or confined space entry permit that has to be done. So a good portion of your morning could be safety paperwork before you even get to strike the torch. So. Yeah it's very, very procedural driven. So it's not just like, you know, getting in the van on a regular call on a rooftop and popping the compressor in, in uh, you know, a few hours or whatever it might be. This is a, an eight to 12 hour job sometimes. Mm -hmm. So is, is that, does that make your day longer in essence compared to somebody that's working an eight hour, nine hour day? Does, is, do, you, do you have longer days in general because of that stuff? Uh, most, most people up in the, in my industry work 12 hour days. Okay. And that's for seven days straight. And it does make for a longer day. And when we kind of get to the misconceptions about it, 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 it can take your motivation away. It can, if you let it, because it's, you know, by the time you get to your job, <laughs> the, I guess the excitement for fixing something can leave you pretty quickly uh -huh. after you had to go through four hours of paperwork or whatever it might be but that's all in your attitude towards it. And if you adopt a different mentality towards it, it can actually make your day a little bit more interesting. If you just take it in a different light. Gotcha. And because of this, because of the safety, do you work in multiples? Like do you work in pairs or are you alone still? Like how, how does that work? It depends on the job, but most people do work in pairs. You're usually paired up in a team. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been working alone for the last, I don't know, for as long as I can remember. So um, sometimes I, if I need help, I, I get it. But most people work together. Yeah. Because yeah. I find that for me anyway, like I work alone 90% of the time or even maybe potentially more than that, maybe like 99% of the time really. But I find that when I'm with somebody, it just makes the day go by a lot quicker because you have somebody to kind of talk to, you can joke with just kind of pass pass the time by on those those down times during during the day like while you're waiting for the the fire alarm to be bypassed you're not just sitting by yourself twiddling oh, your thumbs yeah. you can actually have a conversation with somebody you know what i mean bypass that time quicker 
Yeah, there is definitely times when I've, you know, I've had up there where I've been alone for, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks on end and I finally get a partner to work with and it's like, oh my God, thank God you're here. You know, like, wow, human contact. It's amazing. It's amazing. You know, it's, it's kind of a relief to get a partner in, aside from the safety aspect, you're, you're not talking to yourself all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think a lot of, a, a lot of us service technicians that are by ourselves, <laughs> we end up talking to ourselves quite a bit because uh, who else are you going to talk to? And I, oh, I, I don't know when I, when I'm driving in my van, sometimes I'll, say things aloud to myself um, if I'm trying to remember something or trying to figure out something, a problem I had or I'm a problem I'm about to have on a job that I know is coming, I'll just go through it in my mind. And even though I tell apprentices, when you're driving to a job, just clear your head. Don't come up with a circumstance as to what's wrong before you get there or mm -hmm. else you're going to be looking for that problem, even though it might be something else. But I, I guess my mind just doesn't stop working. <laughs> yeah. Up? It's really hard to train yourself out of that. Eh? It's yeah, like, it uh, is, but, but it's, it's necessary. It's taken me a lot of years to get there to just let it go, man. Just, yeah. just get rid of whatever, you know, preconception you have in your mind. It doesn't matter. You'll figure it out when you get there. And exactly. it works a lot better that way. Exactly. Exactly. So, so you, you mentioned misconceptions of the job. So what are some of those misconceptions? And this isn't me. I, like I kind of announced to my crew when I uh, was going to do this podcast with you, and I said, "Hey, guys, approach me um, with any concerns that you might want to come up with and 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 talk about, uh, you know, being a technician in this industry." And they basically said, "You know, Jesus, Ivan, you're going to make a fool of yourself. Don't do it." <laughs> no, no, no. But uh, the biggest thing that came up was, uh, and I've kind of come across it. <sighs> When you're going to leave the oil and gas industry, what I've found, and it's only some people, but I've found that some service managers or some hiring managers tend to look at your resume and see that you've been in, oh, you've been up at site for, let's say, five years, and they either bypass your resume or they'll make a judgment based on that because they think you're, okay, you're kind of lazy. You don't have the same work ethic as you would have you know, working in a service van day in and day out, Monday to Friday, and kind of managing all of your contracts and, and things like that. So I just wanted to, to make it known that uh, most people up in the industry aren't that way. It's, it's not like that. It, the pace might be different, but there are some very, very, very talented people that we work with. Extremely talented people. So uh, I hope that's, just, that's not an image of, of who we are as technicians in, in, in the industry. I mean, it might have been at one point, when oil was up and booming and nobody cared about money, but uh, I don't think that's the way at all. I think we have very, very diligent people and very smart people that would be an asset to anyone's company out there. All right, guys, just a reminder, True Tech Tools save 8% off your purchase with promo code KNOWITALL. And Testo is now grouped with that promo code again. The only things we're discluding from that is Fluke and FLIR products at the moment. So truetechtools.com on your checkout, use code KNOWITALL and you'll save 8% on your purchase. Yesterday I did the third demo of a third tool from FLIR. It was the TG165. Now that, out of the three tools I demoed, is the most affordable for the average tech. Now a lot of techs came forward and said they actually have one. They use it, they love it, and they use it almost every single day 
because thermal imagery is is very badass when it comes to troubleshooting products i used it yesterday to show my new apprentice adriano how the uh the humidifier bottle was was obviously hot but the steam line above it that was feeding into the header we followed it all the way up to make sure it was feeding into that header and it was and we could see that with the thermal camera so in my truck right now i got some mineral spirits i bought it on the weekend because i want to use it with the, the yellow jacket uh vacuum gauge cleaning kit that i received now it's got a syringe and the whole point of the syringe is so you can attach it to the the vacuum gauge so you pull off the quarter inch fitting of the vacuum gauge obviously you got to use a wrench for that because it's it's got a a connection um, that's threaded in so once you pull that off you can thread in the syringe mineral spirits you inject the mineral spirits you pull them out, you inject them, you pull them out, and you, you repeat this process. And what that does is it agitates the dirt and the oil that's inside it, and it's able to um, clean it up much better than just dripping it inside and shaking it around and, and leaving it. So that's that's what that kit is all about. XY Technologies, guy, as all, guys, as always, I'm going to be posting probably another video from their Oscar lineup of videos um, from techs all over North America that are using the platform to to show transparency to their customers at the fact that this is wrong with the unit this is why we got to fix it create a link send it to a customer so they can visually see what the problem is I'll be posting up another video and there's a 30-day free trial on that platform for any two techs that want to try it. you don't need to be an owner or a manager to reach out you can be a tech you have another tech in your company that wants to try it reach out to them and they'll set you up with their platform over the weekend i posted a video of the testo 417 um, vein anemometer rotating vein anemometer now that's a badass tool it's a large handheld vein anemometer now the flow hood that was with it the flow hood that was in the video i took the video down because my pals jim bergman and bill spohn reached out to me and said that flow hood is only for cfm's up to 50 because it generates a, a lot of pressure within that flow hood or funnel and it can't give you a proper reading when you're using it with cfms above 50 so i just want to fill you in on that guys if, if you're going to purchase that that funnel but it, you don't need the funnel to check airflow all you need is the the anemometer okay and you can traverse any grill you want and it will give you the readings you're looking for it's a badass tool that's a testo 417 let's get back to ivan this segment of the podcast is brought to you by harago a trades only platform helping you find the right job or the right candidate harago.com best in trade well to be honest with you i wouldn't even think that at all i if if i was reading resumes and i saw that somebody was working in that environment for the last five years i'd be like this guy's got to have some good experience and good skills to be able to, to work there in the first place. That, mm -hmm. would be, that would be my thought. It can like, you know, it, it, if you let it, I mean, it can be a place where you could kill your career potentially if you let it, like, I mean, you could get into a rut of completely only doing maintenance and only changing filters. Oh, but, really? You, know, okay. you kind of have to, you kind of have to prove yourself and that really depends on the individual and you kind of have to want something more and you have to prove yourself when that, you know, you're, you're, you're able to take on really tough problems. Some of these units that we work on are, are multifaceted approach. Like we involve instrumentation technicians, we involve electricians, 
Um, uh, you know, it's not a one, there's not one person up in that industry that can fix everything. It's a massive team uh, collaboration to, to make things work all the time. So, yeah, I mean, there's a possibility that if you, you could get stuck in a rut working up there, but it, it really, that's the individual. So, so give people a chance when you see the resumes come across the table. Yeah. But you know, I, I've seen many people that are in service vans over the last so many years that have been in that same rut of just being glorified filter changers. I've, I've known lots of people when they hit, when they hit that, that five year point of their apprenticeship, they go get their license, they pass and their, their boss is like, yep, you're a, you're a fully licensed mechanic. Now get out there and do your thing. They, they can't because they, they were glorified filter changers, their, their whole apprenticeship. And that's not really, some of that might be their fault because they didn't show initiative to, to learn or to get better or to say, Hey, throw me into something else, not this, because I'm not learning anything. But sometimes that just might be the, the conditions that they're in and the environment that they're in. But that happens out in the field too, just as much as it would happen there. Fair enough. But you know what? Change it. You know, if your company right now that isn't providing you what you need, make a change. And, and uh, I've always been told, and I've, I continue to tell apprentices, that I think that you should at least work for three companies on your way up to just see how people do things. And, and just change it, man. Make a change. Yeah, if, if you're not, especially this day and age, uh, right now, when the, the, the technicians, good technicians are hard to come by, if you are a good technician and you know you're worth something and you're not getting what you're worth, and you've asked to get what you're worth exactly and you're still not getting it then it's time to maybe move on because someone out there is looking for you someone out there is looking for you yeah, yeah. And, and if and if you're not drastically um overwhelming with your <laughs> with with your offer to them hey i want this i want that i want this if you're not if you're not <laughs> not being greedy and and you're you're asking for what you're worth as far as value goes I don't see a problem being able to achieve that. I mean, I might be wrong in some areas of the world, but I think the majority of the areas that are looking for good technicians will, will eventually pay to, to get those guys and keep those guys. Yeah. And you just said it there, you hit the nail on the head, have the conversation. Don't have it in an angry manner, but have the conversation and, and say like, Hey, here's where I want to be. And on a scale of yes or no, are you willing to help me get there? And if it's a no, well, then, you know, then you need to make uh, some decisions. But if it's a yes, then, then that's a good thing. Then they obviously value you. That's the way I would perceive it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> again, make a change. Yeah, exactly. So I, I did want to ask you about, so when, when I, before I talked, I, I, or we, we had this discussion, I was trying to picture in my head what exactly it is you did it and, and for some reason i had it in my head that you were kind of stationed in this one area um or one building and and that's what you did but when you said you jumped in a truck and you drove around i'm like hmm so what sort of area what sort of coverage are you covering when you get into that truck like how far could you drive before you you did a job yeah like if you were to go from one end of our site to the other it would take you 45 minutes to drive that in, in its entirety. And that's not to the end of their, I want to call it a leasehold or their property line, wherever that might be, because they've never reached it. 
But, you know, the core part of the sites, I have to say, you could go five or two to five kilometers wide by 10 kilometers long. So do the math there in square kilometers. You know, it's, uh, it's large. Mm-hmm. It's like a small city and it really is a small city. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So is there, is there any, like, nobody actually comes on, are you allowed to, to take pictures there and like show them to people or is that kind of off limits? No, definitely off limits. Uh, they're very strict about those things and uh, whatever the reasons are, I have no idea, but uh, yeah, that's a no, no. Uh, and it, it's very, you have to, even to get on site, there's requirements and there's security background checks and, and drug tests. Um, yeah, multiple gates to get through. So it's a, uh, it's a process. It's not mm-hmm. just free freeloading type thing. You're, you're not getting through the gates if you're not meant to be there. Yeah. So how do you, how do you, um, how do you like the fact that you work for seven days and then you're off for seven days? Is that, is that something that's easy to get used to, or is it like I'm off for seven days and then when you go back to work, it's hard to get back into the swing? Yeah, that's a loaded question, Gary. And I can, I can give you a lot of, uh, <laughs> I can give you a lot of information there, which is great. I kind of wanted to touch on that. So yeah. being a shift worker, and this isn't just with oil and gas, it's with people that work power plants in the city and uh, anyone that does shift work will know what I'm talking about. Um, and the kind of the context I wanted to bring tonight was shining a positive light on, on, on the industry and on technicians in the industry. But, you know, working shift work doesn't come easily. And some people come up initially and they last a day or they last a month and say, hey, man, I can't, I can't handle this. My family doesn't want me to be away. When you're away, you're away, you know, half of the year. But the beauty of it for me right now, not having kids and, you know, a soon-to-be wife, she works up there too with me, which is kind of neat. We both have the same schedule. So it works for us right now. But some people uh, I've heard had to quit their job up there because their wives are at home with the kids um, and they just can't handle it alone. And that's fair. And shift work is not easy. So yeah, you, you, you get on a plane or you drive to site, whatever you're, whatever you choose to do, you do your seven days and you come home. The beauty of it is you have seven days off or two weeks off or 10 days off or whatever your shift cycle might be to do whatever you want. And, uh, uh, you know, whether that be take a trip down to Mexico or for us, it's, it's nice and easy to cruise into BC for the weekend, but you have seven days to do whatever you want or half the year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you don't think about work. I leave it, you know, compared to being in the city and being on call. Uh, another great thing about it is I, I leave it literally at work. I don't have to be on call. I don't have to do anything. Uh, my hours are consistently there. I never have to fight for hours. It's just there. You know, there's never been a day in nine years where I haven't had 40 hours, if not more. That's the, the minimum I've had. Yeah. So it's, there, there's a lot of perks to it, but shift work does take its toll on your brain and your body. I, well, I, I could imagine it does. And, and I've, I've seen this lately. I mean, the, the AHR Expo, I, I'm sure you've seen pictures and stuff online of, yeah. of all the people that were down there and, I've talked to some people that were down there and they were down there for days, like nine days, eight days. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, like really? It was a three day show, but they were there before preparing. They were there after. And, and I'm like, that, that, that's nuts, man. I, I couldn't, um, I was away for, see for me, what you do, I commend you for it because I couldn't, 
I, I got three kids. If I was gone for a week, first off, <laughs> my wife would lose her mind because <laughs> having to deal with the three kids by herself. Um, and, and I would miss them like, like dreadfully. I went, when my son, my oldest son was first born, he was three months. I had to go for a one week training course um, for a control system that, that our company uses. Right. And, and I hated every minute of it. Like wow. it was after the course, it was just back to the hotel room by myself, um, sitting, watching TV, like going to sleep. Like it, it was cool while, while I was in the course, cause there's people to talk to and learning stuff. But then when the course was done, it was, it was like, what am I doing now? <laughs> it was just, it was boring. And I couldn't wait to get, like the drive home. It was a five hour drive home. Cause I was in, I'm in Toronto and the course was in Ottawa. So it was like a five hour drive. Yeah. It felt, it felt like it was a two day drive. And that so, 401 is super exciting, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> super exciting. So I commend you for, for doing that. Um, my cousin, my cousin, actually, he's a, uh, my cousin is in Scotland. He lives in Scotland and he's a, uh, I believe his title is a merchant Marine merchant Navy yeah, so it's the merchant navy is what they call it. So basically, they they ship stuff on on boats, right? Yeah. But he he's a he's an engineer on the boat. He's like mm -hmm. a mechanical engineer or or some sort of engineer on the boat, and he's gone for like three months at a time, and then he comes home for three months at a time. Wow! So just just imagine that. Yeah. No, so. no. Or or military six months at a time. You know, uh, working seven and seven is great. It's a great balance if you live in Alberta or even BC. Living locally, it's great. But you know what? Again, it's a personal thing. I know guys that have been there for 20 or 30 years and they've made a career out of it. They have families. They've had successful families. Some people can do it. Some people can't. And that's great. Um, yeah, it is. But yeah. I, I, I think it would depend on if, if, if you're, if you're married and you just, and you have a wife like yourself, but you don't have any kids, I think it would be a lot easier or if your kids were older they were they were like in their teens and stuff where they didn't they weren't so energetic and so tough on the the other spouse whoever if it's a man or a woman um, I think it would be easier then uh, so people up there do they have young kids like between like the ages of two and like 10 and stuff that they're they're leaving behind is that common yeah it is common but i know people that i've worked with uh, not so much in the trade but i've, I've come across uh, friends of mine that have started and their kids have been really young and it's been made known that i can't have you wait and they've, they've quit because of that because of their kids have been in that age group where you know where's daddy and uh that's that's fine that's awesome you know, but then they might come back when they're like you say, when they're, when their kids are a little bit busier and they don't need to be around as much, but, yeah. uh, depends on the family, man. Yeah. 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 It really does. But yeah, like I said, I do, I do commend you for, for, for living, for living that kind of lifestyle. I mean, once, once you do have kids, if you're planning to, I mm -hmm. mean, I, you're, you're going to see, you're going to see that, that scale come into play. Now I got to put things on a scale and weigh it to see, which which end is going to weigh heavier because i think that's what a lot of people do they're like man like i i just had this conversation today actually not <laughs> not not in this manner but i put out a post that i just changed the flapper valve on my toilet that's been leaking for like two months yeah i've seen that on your instagram today yeah so <laughs> so for like two months i've been hearing every like half an hour the toilet in my kid's bathroom psh, i'm like ah oh. 
crap like i that thing again so and then i got got a water bill and it was like a hundred dollars more and then i'm telling my 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 boys i said every time you go pee and flush the toilet turn the water off (laughs) (laughs) right and then finally today i finally had time to change it and some guy's like well i think he was on facebook he's like um He's like, well, why did you wait so long? I said, well, just life, man. It's just life. He's like, well, there's a Walmart down the street, probably just go do it. And I'm like, listen, like before you judge, walk a mile in a man's shoes. Like I am extremely busy. And when I put things on the scale, I'm doing this right now, my toilet, whatever I was doing at the time, tip the scale. So, I mean, I can only do one thing at a time. So that's why I got put on the back burner and and sometimes that, that, that just happens in life. And, and that's what I'm saying. You, you're going to come to a point where if you do have kids, we're going to have to put things on a scale and go, hmm, which one is, is the heavier and, and what, what do I got to do here? Well, for sure. I mean, it's already hitting me. Like I said, I'm getting married in October and, you know, it's likely that we'll have kids. So, I mean, they're on the back of my mind now, so it'll probably happen. And, I mean, I'm hitting almost the 10-year mark of being in that industry. So, I'm kind of weighing out is the extra money worth being away? I mean, I, I kind of do miss coming home and being in my own bed every night. I, you know, I live in a beautiful part of the country and it would be really nice to work local again and hop back in a service van. And, and that's why I, I kind of run my own business on a part-time cherry picking scale, just to feel what it's like to be back in the real world and just keep, keep in touch, you know, and, and just understand that I'm, I'm still capable of doing the things that I, I once did before. So it's not to say I'm not thinking about it already and it might happen. Uh, yeah. You know? that, that's something we should probably touch on be, before we, we head out for the night is the fact sure. that you, you run your own business um, when you're home. Uh, so how does, how does that work for you? So when you come home, uh, do you have clients that you take care of or do you rely on other contractors when they have kind of a surplus of work, they kind of call you and say, Hey, come help us out. How, how does that work for you? All three of those things. I, I have a, just a few clients that I uh, uh, take care of in and around town. And I, and I know people that have, you know, done installations and they're like, hey, Ivan, are you still in Canmore? Uh, can you go start up this, uh, this heater for me? Can you go do this? Like, and these guys are located in BC and I'll do work like that. And <clears throat> I think last two shifts ago, I, I had to go do a service call and that was on my fly day on the way out the door. So I went and did the service call, but I called a friend of mine who owns a company and he runs a 24 seven service in town. I said, Hey man, um, if I can't finish this call, do you mind picking up my slack and just send me the bill? So yeah, we, I work like that too. Like I'll make it work. I do have someone that I can call. Um, I'm just cherry picking my work right now. And, and that's fine by me. I just, what I do is I'm very upfront and honest with my clients. I can either give you a deal or give you very personalized service and just understand that I'm not going to be here available for you on a 24 seven basis. Um, but I can call somebody if needed. So that's how I operate it at the moment. And, and hopefully one day that turns into something more. Yeah. So you have like a full on decked out service truck ready to go. Yes, that's right. That's, that's very cool. So, I mean, even if you decided to, to get out of the position you're in, I mean, you, you've got like a, you, you're going to hit the ground running almost. Yeah, it, it would be scary. And it scares me right now to think about that. But, you know, that's just uh, the decision that has to be made. You know, go for it. It's like anything in life. Just do it. You know, you're, you're, you're messing around. You're, you're just waiting for nothing. And I'm, I, 
I don't think in this industry, if you're any good, I think it would be hard to fall flat on your face. Oh yeah. I mean the first, if you started your own business and the first service call you got, if you provided impeccable service, you got the machine working, the customer loved you as a person, they're just going to tell their neighbors and their friend the next time their friends, the next time they have an issue and and it's going to be, it's, it's just going to take off. Like, I mean, like you said, if you're good, the business will follow. It might take some time for the traction to happen, but it's, it's, it's going to happen eventually if you're good at what you do. Yeah. That's been like one of the hardest lessons going into is I thought right away that, you know, just because certain people know me that it would be easy, but it's not easy. But, and that kind of was one of my first service calls. I had a a brewery that called me up and said, Hey, our fermentation tanks are, they're, they're down. And I was able to get them back up and running in 20 minutes, just a simple dirty condenser. And they were so grateful. You know, it's amazing to see that. So that probably spoke fairly loudly. Yeah. Very, very cool stuff. So, so anything else that you want to touch on regarding your job out in the, the oil sands, any of the, any other misconceptions or any day-to-day stuff that you want to hit on? Um, other than the, not, nothing really about a misconception, but just understand that they're uh, working up there. The biggest benefit is the camaraderie in the crew, the people you work with. And, you know, I want to give a shout out to all the people I've worked with over the years who might be listening in. Um, it's, it's a great industry to be in, uh, whether you make a career out of it or not. Um, yeah, great crew people and you make some lifelong friends and and I've done that so far. And I also, because you thanked me at the beginning, I just wanted to say, you know, I appreciate anyone, Gary, who takes the time to create content and give people a platform to share their story because, you know, it's, that wasn't available 10 years ago and what you're doing is awesome. So thank you. Hey man, no, no, no problem. I just, I, I was bored and needed something to do and <laughs> it just, it just kind of, it just kind of evolved. Well, I wasn't bored really. I just, I just wanted to, I don't know. I just wanted to do something for myself and it kind of evolved and, and, and as I got to know people online and, and realized how cool other people were and how different other people were and how their experiences were so 180 to mine, I'm like, people need to hear about this stuff. If if, if I like hearing about it, someone else has got to like hearing about it. And and even, even the the dickheads online that act like assholes and and pretend they don't like listening to it. They really do. They really, and and who cares, Gary, who cares? It doesn't matter. Oh yeah. It it doesn't matter. I'm I'm, I'm just saying for for those guys that act tough online and and, and are the keyboard warriors, they actually like it too because they're human beings and it's the same people that's in their industry and how could they not? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, our industry, it's small, but it's not, but uh, regardless to be able to have this, when I was coming up through the apprenticeship, I think it's almost another form of mentorship. So it's, it's a great thing. It's a great thing. Awesome, man. Okay. Well, I I won't keep you. I know you got a, you're heading out tomorrow, right? Yeah. I had, I fly up tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, I wish you safe travels. And, uh, and again, thank you for getting on here with me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Gary. Yeah, not a problem, dude. Take care. Have a good night. Bye. Well, again, another enjoyable conversation for me. And I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as well. Ivan is very obviously a passionate guy about the industry he's in. And he wanted to bring some positive light to that industry or that niche. And the fact that he works 
full-time, albeit shift work, it's still a full-time job, and then comes home and has his own business that he runs on the side, that is passion for your trade right there. That that's That's crazy because, I mean, obviously when he comes home, I mean, he could be spending that time sitting around doing nothing. Yes, obviously he's going to do some, some stuff in life that he wants to do, a bit of traveling, as he was mentioning there. But the fact that he's building a business on top of that is, is incredible. It's just, he's just putting in the work and setting himself up. That is awesome. So thank you, Ivan. I really appreciated the conversation, and I really appreciated learning about what it takes to be an oil sand HVAC technician. That that niche of the industry is something that I didn't have any insight into, and I, I don't probably a lot of people didn't have much insight into until now. So, thank you very much, all the all the techs out in the oil sands guys. You guys rock. Thank you for being part of that industry because somebody's got to do it. Somebody has to get out there, fly out there, and work out there and take care of that machinery. So, anyway, guys, I'm out. Thank you, Ivan. Thank you, oil sand HVAC techs. Happy HVACing.